No, no. Alright. I'm gonna trade you two sheep for that wood. Tell me, honey, does that sound good? Cause all I really wanna do is take away longest road from you, yeah. Welcome to these tabletop sessions. Welcome to the welcome to the welcome to these tabletop sessions. Hello, fellow gregarious geeks and gamers, and welcome to the 41st episode of the Tabletop Sessions podcast. This is your monthly dose of tabletop gaming stories and shenanigans. My name is Elias, and with me this week, it's the Werther's original of this podcast, Hippocrates. Hello. Again, not a very good greeting. Wait, (laughs) who's this? A breach in security, all the way from Tirana, Albania, here to report on his recent shenanigans in Essen, Germany, is the man who's been eyeing Byron's seat on this podcast for a longer time than I'm comfortable admitting to. It's Kevin! What's going on, guys? How's it going? (laughs) So Kevin's been a part of Tirana or Tirana in Albanian? Uh, I, uh, me and Elias had a discussion about this a while back because I say Toronto like Toronto, but then I say Tirana, Tirana. So like it literally sounds like I'm saying the same place. So I, I, hey Kevin, where are you these days? Toronto. I don't know where that is. <laughs> you could be anywhere, really. Uh, so for those that don't know, Kevin has been a part of Tabletop Sessions, the group, the gaming group, for years. And uh, he recently sent us, hey guys, surprise, I'm going to Essen this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought it would be great since neither Ipo or I could get there to get you, you know, some hard nose to the floor, hardcore gaming integrity journalism, right from, you know, first-handed sources. <laughs> Yes, Elias, I was hoping um, you're going to sell it better. This, like, you could, you could say that we sent uh, Kevin to Essen. Listen, to, if I had, get if I had money to go to Essen, I, I would be at Essen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sending Kevin to Essen. <laughs> I can get to Essen by myself. Uh, which, right, actually, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, um, like, I actually couldn't. That'll, that'll be, like, kind of the first story. <laughs> all right why don't you tell us how did you get there then yes no no i want to like um so i um recently got into a relationship with a woman and just talked her ear off lies games (laughs) swear it's true i can send pictures um no evidence (laughs) pictures can be fake (laughs) um no uh we we got together i just kept talking her ear she's not a board gamer and I would just talk her ear off, like constantly about board gaming and the games I liked. And she just, as a point of comparison, her favorite board game is Ludo. And uh, cheesy for oh my her. god, Parche- oh my god, cheesy <laughs> Ludo. And our first game we ever played together was Yahtzee. So uh, just for all all the the gamers out there. That's where I was starting out as, um, and but, <laughs> she, but she she she's she was very kind and she listened. And then as a surprise in um, August, she got me tickets to Essen. In fact, that's actually a story because 
She wanted to get me tickets to Essen, but accidentally wrote her own name on the form. So when, when she got the email, quotes. it says, it's, it says, it's like, why is my name on the top of the, t- the ticket? And then she's like, oh, because I put my name. So then she got, she had to buy a whole new ticket just for me. Just so I could go, uh, because otherwise, like, I would, she would, because she could go and I couldn't get in. Listen, Kevin. You have no idea. You said she doesn't like board games, but she's, she patiently listens to you talk about board games. I think both Ipo and I can attest to the fact that whilst both our, lo- our wives do love board games, they do not have the patience for us talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just not like me talking about board yes. games? That is not an acceptable topic for dinner conversation. <laughs> So, and uh, uh, if fine. I know Elena, she would literally just get up and leave if people started talking. <laughs> yes, game. yes. So, Kevin, <laughs> you should treasure what you have there. Even if she accidentally <laughs> bought also tickets for herself. <laughs> to go yeah, to yeah. <laughs> Sounds like she's a sleeper agent. <laughs> 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 All right. But uh, she accidentally uh, bought you both tickets to Essen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she got me tickets to Essen. Um, it was a bit touch and go whether work would let me go, but of course then they did. And and we got hopped on the plane, um, landed uh, in Wuppertal, which is like, I think, an hour away by train, got got to the hall, and immediately I was just overwhelmed. I just became yeah, like, a, it's crazy. I mean, both of you guys have been, right? So it's like. Yeah, we, we were there in 2018. But okay, on that topic, actually, yeah. what day did you arrive? Yes. I arrived on the Friday. So is that the opening day? Yeah, that is the opening day. Uh, that, no, Thursday is the opening day. Thursday, yeah. okay, so you didn't get to witness the running of the nerds. <laughs> no, but I, I I wanted to because like that, like that was on my bucket list to arrive at the hall at like 7 a.m. when it opens at 10, would be the first one in the line. And then just like when the gates open, just like to see all the novelty t-shirts running to whatever booth they were going to. Ipa, do you remember the size of that crowd outside the hall for the first day? Yes. Yes, I remember the the running of the nerds. And, and yes, it, it's nice. It's nice to have experienced that, to be honest. What time did you arrive but you're uh, on also, Friday? You know, you know, actually, Ipa, sorry, but just on that topic, just a little thing I remember. You remember when we were standing in line and... Lena and Dima were staying together while we were in uh oh, at that, that's a good story. And um <laughs> and then I I he was like, Oh, I haven't called my wife. And I'm like, Don't worry. I called my wife and I spoke to your wife also. And then the guy in front of us turns around and goes, Did you speak to my wife also? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, always remember that. <laughs> So, so you arrived Friday morning. Yeah. You arrived Friday morning in Wuppertal. And yeah, we arrived Friday morning in Wuppertal. Um, we like we got to the to the Mesa Hall. I think it, is it pronounced Mesa? I actually don't know the pronunciation. Yeah, close enough. Mesa. None of the our Mesa German Hall. sensitivities are insulted. Yeah. Well, um, my girlfriend is German, so I think that's how. It's <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So we we get there and I'm just like I was the six packed halls like in the end we only got to do two of the halls and I was mm. fuck, I was fucking done by by the 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 sun, Sunday morning 
In fact, um, just as a side story, we were supposed to meet Stefan Feld, um, and what? we had uh, we had bought um, we had bought the uh, the fancy new Castles of Burgundy. The what do they call it? The collector's mm. edition or special whatever. edition. Special yeah. edition, yeah, like with the three D castle pieces and the nice like inserts and stuff. We bought that just so that Stefan Feld could sign it and I could meet Stefan Feld. <laughs> And like we were talking the entire time, and we're like, it was like, it was like first person. It was like, I wonder what Stefan's doing right now. And like every single like tall bald man, we'd be like, is that Stefan Feld? Is that Stefan Feld? We do that like like all all three days of of the fair. Well, actually two days. Um, third day I actually came down with a pretty nasty flu, so I couldn't go. But um, but yeah, like that that the hunt for Stefan was kind of fun. Never actually found him. Hunt for Stefan. Yeah. Never, never, never found him, unfortunately. But like, um, we we that that was uh, that was that was a good time. But yeah, like the the whole the whole fair was just an unbelievable experience. So, so, so when you walk in, there's that massive hall, right? And yeah. then the other major hall was, I think, you would go through a tunnel on the right, and then that was also the second biggest hall over there. Uh, so. Do you remember which halls you did? I and did. Also, I don't. Did you I get to have the Frankfurter that was between those two halls? <laughs> I there were so many restaurants. Uh, I can't remember. No, this I, one. Was, I, it's always like outside, but in the in the tunnel between the two major biggest halls. I can't remember their letters or numbers, but yeah. it's um, it's like a little hot dog stand. But it's uh, oh really? Oh yeah. I, I, I don't think I saw that. that. Um, it was hall. I know you can't remember the numbers, but it was hall three. It was in hall six. Hall three was kind of mm-hmm. like hall six was adjacent to like the, the like a, a parking lot and restaurant area. It was like there were cars like yeah. like parked at the end of it, and then there was like a huge restaurant row and halls and hall right. um hall 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 six was at was like at the loading bay, so like near next to the loading gotcha. bay. So, so like did you we go saw, for like, three just, days. Three full days you went there with no i went your... for a day and a half so the first day was um first day didn't go still at work second day i got there in the afternoon and we did like four hours in hall six and then third day was um was hall three and i basically just did all the places i wanted to go in hall three i figured that would be better than just walk running around from from hall to hall there was stuff in hall five and hall two that i wanted to like I really was interested in uh, the the shipyard second edition um, because oh. Elias, I I heard you talking good things about it, but um, mm-hmm. I could never get to hall two. Like it was just like even though it was right next to me and I could see signs for it the entire time I was there, it was just I just couldn't actually get there because there's so many things I wanted to demo in the in hall three as well. So you know, I'd be I'd be keen on trying it, trying out the new shipyard as well because I loved that game, but it was the fiddliest game ever. Like it's just like putting all the pieces on the boat and moving the boat around and putting the different testing things. It was unbearable and how yeah. fiddly it was. And that's why I got rid of it. But, you know, I, I assumed at some point they would come up with a new edition. Yeah. So uh, definitely one I have my eye on as well. Sorry, if I cut you off. Yeah, Kevin, how was the experience for your friend? How is the experience for somebody that is not into board games? And if he goes there for that's the That's an night. interesting thing. Like, um, like, like, it was, it was, I can speak from it from my perspective and then I can speak from her perspective. From my perspective, it was it was like both nerve-wracking and also really nice 
just to be a board game student for a change. Because most of the time right now, like I live in Albania, not a big board game community here. And, but like, um, it was like, I'm you always a board game teacher. So if, if I'm bringing out a game, I'm the one who has to teach it, right? So like, it, it's, there's always a lot of like, I wouldn't say pressure or stress, but it's always like, it's like, this is my game that I want to share with, with my friends or share with my girlfriend. And I have to be the one to sort of sit down and be like, okay, everyone has to, has to like, listen and I need to make sure I get the rules right and all yada 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 all the all the anxieties that come with teaching a game but it was nice just to like sit there and have someone else teach the game it was all from my from my partner's perspective it was also really nice for her because English is her second language and all the booth people spoke German so when oh. we were when they were showing us a game Every well, except with the with the exception of one, every single um like booth exhibitor or demoer or all the staff spoke German. So when when like when we were taught a game, like the sort of like the pressure was off me, which which felt nice, and the pressure was off her because she on her side, like being as English is her second language, she speaks great English. It's not it's not like she she doesn't speak much English. She speaks our main language of communication is English, but like for specialists, for specialists, terminology, the lingo of board gaming that we all know, it was very hard for her to pick it up in her mm -hmm. second language, but to have like someone in her native language explain mechanisms or rules or different steps that she has to take in the game, like that was actually really liberating for her as well. So we found it to be incredibly liberating. Was Very she cool. overwhelmed yeah. with heavy games or did you just uh, pursue uh, light games because of this? Yeah, there, there's, there's actually um, a, a story around that. Like, like over the summer, um, she, she, like I had taught her how to play um, Carcassonne and how to play uh, Ganshan Clever. So like there were a few games that I had already taught her a ticket to ride as well. Like I had taught her a few games, but like they were all gateway games or less to be honest. Right. So like, then she goes, why don't you teach me a game that, um, that you would play? Like, you know, just like, like just if you wanted to play something, you would sit down and just choose it. And I chose spirit Island and boy, oh, no. that was, Jesus. <laughs> that was not a good experience. <laughs> no, a good but it's a call by the rules it's overhead good. for like each character and oh my yeah, God. yeah. <laughs> like just so suffice it to say that the end of the afternoon involved us sitting by ourselves in different rooms. Let's just, let's just put it that way. That was the ultimate opportunity for you to get someone to play Race for the Galaxy with you. Kevin. I know, you I know. Race. I know. No, yeah. but I, I didn't. I don't have Race for the Galaxy with me. Like I don't have the the physical. Oh, copy. really? Yeah, because that was like your jam when we first met. Like I mean, it still is my yeah. jam. I'm 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 board game arena. It's I'm a up shame to, like, you're not very good at it though. Now our one hundred thousand followers. Nine hundred times you'd be pretty decent at it. Oh, that man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give or take. Ipo, what were you saying? I'm saying that now our 100,000 followers now know that, so they can follow you on yeah. board game arena <laughs> yeah, yeah. if they want. To if you want an easy, easy 
10 to 15 ELO on uh, Board Game Arena, come hit me up. <laughs> solid, solid. I like it. <laughs> so, all what right, have you well, played? Let's start talking. Well, Ipo, you keep cutting me off. All right, man. Chill out. It's a video problem. I'm the host. I'm the host. You're the talent. Okay. So let, let the host host and you just be the talent, baby. Okay. All right. <laughs> so um, I'm Conan. You're Andy. And Kevin is the dude on the couch. So, um, <laughs> Kevin, what was, uh, tell, tell us about some of your favorites from Essen. Um, the the big one for for me the one that was most memorable was probably match of the century I, it was it was i think chess number one. one to the chess one it's uh fisher spassky 1972 um nice and like it's i i mean i'm such a fan of card driven games like huge fan of even though another game i'm not very good at twilight struggle not good at twilight struggle and but chess, love twilight and chess struggle. from what i remember Chess, <laughs> yeah, You're terrible chess. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but it's the it's the Master of the Century is a is a card driven game, kind of in the same realm as like um, Watergate. If you guys have um, mm. played Watergate, um, like a smaller package. Like Watergate tries to do um, like a Twilight Struggle type experience in like forty five minutes, and Master of the Century is kind of the same thing. Um, Two sides, of course, um, asymmetrical sides. Uh, one plays Fisher, one plays Spassky. Um, and uh, basically, the, the, it's, you're not playing chess. It's completely a, a card-driven game. There's four spaces on the cards. And um, there's four spaces on the, on the board, excuse me. And in, on, on each of them is written a number. It's a one, two, three, or four. And you're, it's the advantage that you, you're able to gain in a certain match right? You're going to play um, multiple matches in a game, and first person to win six matches wins the entire game. So um, each, each round, there's an attacking player, a person with the advantage, um, and for, the, for each, the start of each match, it's the white player. The attacking player plays first. Um, there's a card. They play a card with a certain power. They can add, they can buff that power with pawns. You start with two pawns. You can gain pawns during the game. Um, you nice. you add pawns to your side to add one for each pawn. So you can play zero to two pawns to buff um, your power. Defending player then looks at what the attacking player plays, plays a defending card, plays his own card, buffing with pawns like the attacking player would. Then the player with the highest power gains gains that much advantage printed on the board so if you play it on the the three you'll gain three advantage if you play it on the one you gain one advantage the defender must play on the same advantage space that the attacker played on so if i play if i'm the attacker and i played it on two and if elias is my op opponent he must play it on the two space as well so um yeah so so the the player with the highest power gains gains that advantage but the losing player, and this is where a lot of the strategy comes in, the losing player gains an ability printed on the card. So, um, mm. and the, the abilities, like, vary, vary wildly. So there's some that's, like, you can shuffle your discard player into, into, into your uh, deck. You can gain pawns. You can gain additional cards. You can neutralize. So the it has that, advantage. like, Twilight, Imp Twilight Struggle thing. 
where you're going to play cards where the event benefits your opponent, essentially. Um, is that yeah, what I'm there's a or? bit of that going on. And one thing I love is that, is it, like, you could think that um, one advantage, there's a huge advantage to going first in the game because you're kind of setting the tone and you're choosing where you're attacking. But they balance that nicely by having the defending player see not only the power that gets played, because you have to play your pawns before your defend the defending player even plays anything. So you play your gotcha. out your your entire part of your turn before the defender does anything on his turn. So he sees both the power you're playing that he has to beat if he wants the advantage, and he sees the power that you get the 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 ability that you get. If you lose, they get all the information, you get none of the information, which is a really, yeah. really nice way to balance out the fact that the attacker gets to like kind of control the pace of the Determine game. Determine where the where the turn is happening. Exactly. Well. Which is very, very powerful in and of itself. So like very interesting. Um, it's it's kind of interesting that we're at the point where we're designing games where the theme is other games. That's uh uh, very interesting. <laughs> I, got, I was going to say that that this is a game that simulates another game, but without playing that other game. Yeah, I was going to say, why don't we just play chess? Like <laughs> lazy man chess. I'm not good at chess. It's, Leave it's, me alone. <laughs> it's, a, it's a board game simulating another board game. I don't think we have seen another kind of this thing. I don't know. Millennium Blade. Uh, interestingly, also the designer being Paulo Mori. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Kevin, I cut you off. But um, I've tried, I'm just looking through his games. I've tried four or five of his games, Libertalia, Dogs of War, Rise of Augustus, Unusual Suspects. And I like none of them um, <laughs> as of now. So uh, Libertalia <laughs> is a, good a little game, more promising. Say. Libertalia could not get off my shelf fast enough, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, <laughs> But still, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> when I saw the thing, I, when I saw the 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 designer of the game, I was like, "Isn't this the guy who made that racist game?" Like that was literally the first <laughs> thing that suspect. popped into my head. <laughs> but the, that's what he's known for. He's known for unusual suspects, right? Yes, I guess so. I suppose. Yeah, that was the worst of all of them. Oh my god! Um, yeah. So for for our listeners, the unusual suspects is a game where you're trying to identify people by looking at them. So if you need to find a murderer, is he probably the black guy? I mean, how racist could that be? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so bad. So they fixed that. It's so bad. By uh, issuing a new edition and saying in the new edition that you should avoid doing that in real life. And this is what... Oh, great. I'm glad is, they fixed it. <laughs> this is what the game is trying to teach. This is the way they fix it. They're like, the- here's here's how to not, not have a. Ra- here's how to don't be racist. Yeah. <laughs> so you can be racist in the game, but please don't do it in real life because it, it is dangerous. Oh my ideas. god. Yeah, uh, that, it's not really. It's kind of like profiling the game, right? That's what yeah, I would call exactly. it. And uh, it felt horrible um, hearing clues and being like, does my friend really think that way? And the fact that I knew what he was talking about, does that mean I think that way or is society stereotypes being forced onto my brain? Anyway, don't play that game. <laughs> Not any of the additions, but it seems like match of the century is cool. So one of my favorite things, um, is the idea of mental stability. So um, the there's a four oh, cause, space because of uh, yeah because of Bobby 
because of Bobby, but also because of Spassky. Because I think if, I, I watched the documentary on the match of the century, and apparently, like Bobby Fischer's weird demands were like really wearing on Spassky as well. Spassky has said this mm. in interviews in terms of like like the guy was just so unreasonable that like it really messed up, messed with his head as well, and like so. The, the idea of mental stability or mental wear is like when the four space, for example, when when you win advantage on the four space, which is the highest space in the game, you like you take one mental damage. Right. And how mental stability works is like the less mentally stable you are, the more mental wear you have, the less cards you're going to start with in the next round and the less mm. pawns you're going to start with in the next round. So it re or the less pawns you can gain in the next round. So basically it's like almost it's like a catch up mechanism in a way, but I really like it because like there's there's like it kind of it, it kind of evens the playing field a little bit. So if, if someone just gets really lucky with cards, like you can really you, you like they're gonna take more mental damage than you would. The other thing is um, the idea of resigning. And that's that's actually, it sounds kind of silly, but it's actually really, really smart in the game. Like if you were just to get um, like a really bad hand for black, for example, you can resign the game right away and all your black cards turn over. They're double, they're double, like they're not reversible. What's the term of like they're upside down on one side and right side up on the other side? Uh, what's the name? Okay, um, reversible is fine. Yeah, reversal. They're reversible. Flip, so flopping. as soon as you resign, yeah, exactly. They're flippable. Uh, like as as soon as soon as as soon as you resign, all your black cards, all your black piece cards become white piece cards, and they become super powerful. So all the weak black cards are strong white cards. All the weak white cards are strong black cards. So like, is that supposed to simulate like different? games across the course of the match yes exactly because you're you're flipping the color on the board okay yeah because each round i didn't say this but each round like each one player will start off as white so spassky will start off as white as world champion previous world champion but after that game two fisher is going to be the white pieces and spassky will be the black pieces just like in a real chess tournament so like that that tactical nature of of knowing when to resign at the right time like there was a point like halfway through the game where like it was really like game two resign game three resign game four resign and I, I said to I said to uh, to my girlfriend I was like this is the worst chess tournament ever televised <laughs> like, just like the first two or three rat turn turns they just immediately resign the game but it but it is but it did add to the experience because you can plan across matches for the whole game like mm. it was. That part was fantastic. I want to say I'm looking at pictures of the game and it, the components looks amazing. It, it looks beautiful. And yeah. I like the fact that the two players are red and blue as opposed to black yeah, and white that. in a chess game because then it would be, you know, confusing. Confusing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the oh. publisher, I see it's Pegasus and Capstone games. So I think yeah. uh, that's a good sign. Uh, have you played? Have you played the game since uh, Kevin? Oh, how, uh, not really. Like we're still in the process of moving into a new apartment, so games are still kind of in random suitcases. But you bought a copy. But I bought a copy for sure. Yes, yes. yes. All right. 
Well, that is very interesting. Cause it sounds like if you like uh, the a documentary about Bobby Fischer and Spassky, but you don't know how to play chess, this is the way to go. <laughs> Otherwise, just play chess. <laughs> That's the qualifier. <laughs> it's been around longer, and it sounds more interesting. No, I'm kidding. It sounds great. Actually, it gives me vibes of like, I like games with odd themes like that. There's a game I love, and I always talk about called High Treason. Okay. Which is the trial of Louis Riel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of you is playing the uh, the defense, and one of you is playing the, uh, what is it called? Uh, when you're Prosecution. The ones... Prosecution, thank you. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like, manipulate the jury, and you find out who the jury are and what their leanings are. And, like, the game is broken down into, like, all the parts of a court case, right? So opening statements, et cetera. So, um games that have these weird themes that are trying to be replicated through normal mechanisms like cards and boards and like action points and stuff. I find that very interesting. So I would be keen on trying match of the century sometime. Um, Maybe, maybe if you come over one time and you don't want to play chess anymore, I can go (laughs) match of the century. Match of the century (laughs) makes me feel smart. Chess. uh, Yeah. Yeah. We were playing chess once Kevin was over and demon, Kevin both don't play chess and we were sitting there and I was sitting next to them and I was like, okay, how much do you want me to tell you? And they were like, no, no, don't tell me anything. Then the game went on for so long at one point and they were like, what's going on? I was like, guys, like you've each had like a chance, like to checkmate, like in like, like 12 times. <laughs> and just missed it and they're like what about right now that was the match of the century (laughs) i was like well kevin like you can you can mate in two and kevin's staring at the board just freaking the fuck out trying (laughs) trying to realize what's happened and in the end they're like just just tell us just (laughs) we want to go to bed (laughs) was that the first game you played in the convention Oh no! The first game I played in the convention was, and this actually gets to um, the whole the, the follow up to that Spirit Island story is like, um, is uh, is we we played Castles of Burgundy, and we just thought like we were both tired on on day one and like both kind of overwhelmed, and I just wanted to play something that I I already knew I you know I could teach rather confidently and. Um, yeah, like it. I mean, Castles of Burgundy is kind of like the first re, like, 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 it's one of the first games that um, my partner, like, of the higher than gateway, um, that that she played and taught the game, um, played through it. It just felt good to play something that I I've played like a bunch of times. And I knew really well, and we're just sitting there and playing through. And at the at the end of the at the end of the the game, um, we bought a copy. Well, she bought a copy for me, you know, um, uh, which is a super sweet thing to do. And you know, wanted to get it. But then after that, it became where's Stefan? Where's Stefan? Do you see Stefan? Is like holding that game, <laughs> trying to get Stefan Feld to sign for us. <laughs> so having played Castles of Burgundy, like the regular version. Um, and now having played this, do you feel, have you played the physical version of the old one or just on board game Marine? No, I've played the physical version. I've played the physical okay. version. I, I have just to so clarify though, I played, we played the, like what, like the, the, the new, the, the, the black box edition, not the, not the actual like definitive collector's edition when, when we played. At gotcha. Essence. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, but, but you bought the copy of the special edition. Yes. Bought the copy of the special so you edition. So you got Seffenfeld to sign it. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess my question is like, I don't know. Do you, so I look at Castles of Burgundy. I look at what they're selling for. Right. And I love yeah. Castles of Burgundy. I, I think it's one of his better ones. Top mm-hmm. three or so. But yeah. like, I can't get myself to think of it as like a $130 game or whatever. Yeah. And like, I'm really fine with my kind of ugly version. I don't really have a problem with it. Right. Yeah. So I guess like, you know, for anyone like me, that's in the audience, like a person that's sitting there going, I like as Burgundy. I have a copy of the old $28 version. Like, is this worth picking up? Like, what do you think? I, I think it depends on you. Like, I mean, unfortunately for me, like Toy Factor is such a big like thing for me. So like I'm one of those suckers. I'm my, like like I haven't used Kickstarter mostly because like I don't know, I'm 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 so like such an old head with that kind of stuff. But I mean, if I knew how to operate it and I knew I was going to get the game, I would be on Kickstarter all the time. So the the Toy Factor for me is kind of a big deal. I'm also one of those people that like I feel like I'm one of the suckers that they got in a way where it's like, where like, I, I, I don't like it when tokens on a, on a player board are sliding around or could slide around that really aggravates me or they're not placed exactly the way it should into the lines. And now like the new version has like, kind of like things that snap in, like the, the tokens could just snap in and they stay like the, the, the depressed boards. I don't know exactly what they're called, but like the, yeah. Double yeah. layer boards. Yeah, exactly. So, like, that's really nice having the the actual depressed board the sounds actual... way yeah. weird. Just like a board that's like grumpy when you get it. They're like, "What's the point?" You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Depressed> <laughs> <board>. <laughs> I like it. Hey, I, I like it. Say, I think it's cool. <laughs> I want to say when Kevin said that he likes the toy factor, I was checking his list of games from Essen. And did you really buy Welcome to Collector's Edition? I did. I did. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that is. I mean, Welcome to is a card game, is a roll and write yes. game, okay? Yeah. Which is beautiful. Yeah. I, do, I mean, what is the Collector's Edition? It, just, it has all the expansions in it. It has all the expansions and it has oh, like, okay. and this it's is, this is the toy factor again. It has different illustrations of the of a score pad by different like well-known board game artists. So one of them was like Vincent wow, Dutray. Nice, yeah, that sounds completely useless. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that sounds hey, like fuck art. Fuck you, I like it. So <laughs> if art is useless, that's what I'm yeah, let, Let's talk about economics. Let's talk about economics, art, and capitalism. <laughs> because this, this is, I mean, this is the whole point here. Like, no, okay, all right. So here's have... the thing with, with Castle. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Eva, but like I know you were jumping off. So this is a good point for both of them. Yeah. The collector's edition of something like Welcome to, it's you're right. It is cool. I mean, I think it might be a little confusing yeah. if like you have new players and all your boards are different, right? But <laughs> um, what what I find a little <laughs> thing is like Castles of Burgundy was a game with like cardboard chits and that, and they turned it into. And I'm in the minority here. A plastic monstrosity, <laughs> like it's got more plastic in it than than fucking blood rage. Yeah. Like, 
Was no. there a point to that? Like, I don't see the point to it. I it like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, you are in the minority, Elias. Yes. It's <laughs> beautiful. It's a, it's beautiful. It's like really? a water park. Everything the just fits. Yes. Everything fits. <laughs> can, can you not like see that? Everything fits, Elias. That's so important. <laughs> yeah. Ipa just said, are we destroying it, the planet? Yes, yes. but it's beautiful. But <laughs> off. are we more happy doing it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I this suppose the question is... Castles, how- Elias, will dissolve oh. after one million years. Only? Okay. If it's just a million years, then that's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm sure everything will be okay. It just looks a little a little too much for, for what Castles Burgundy is. A game that worked just fine. And... You know, it wasn't the miniatures that upset me. I get the desire of having the miniatures. Mm-hmm. The thing that bugged me is they made plastic tiles. So you have the, if you want the 3D terrain version with the castles and the buildings that pop out, fine, I get it. But why plastic tiles? Why not just have thick cardboard, very nice, that's something that's organically degradable <laughs> instead of just thick, just plastic tiles, really? Are we at that point? Are we like, all right, I'm just going to stop. It's pretty. But is it, but <laughs> I'm not an environmentalist, but is it better to have a, a thick cardboard, which is yes. like you're, you're killing some trees to do it? While Look, I have never, trees grow, some trees, trees grow again. And do, okay, here's the beautiful thing. I've never seen a turtle with a cardboard chit stuck up its nose. <laughs> I've seen a lot of them with plastic because they, stuff. Because they only like light games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they like move slow, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's int- okay. It is pretty, but it's pretty in the sense that, ooh, I like bright colors, right? Yeah. Like, so therefore, it is better That's for me. Which for is me. not really. <laughs> Kevin's raising his hand. He's not familiar with the podcast format. So. <laughs> but. Um, like that's not a, a thing that I care about is how bright and colorful it is. And for me, the plastic in it is a little over the top. I think the $28 version cardboard is just fine with the chintzy <laughs> shitty pla- cardboard that like wants to like warp oh, yeah. itself just from existing. <laughs> Pretty shit, to be honest. No, I, I agree that there, there's no reason to have a plastic tile. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, at least, okay. you know, Kevin's happy, and that makes me a little less miserable. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> I never do my happiness matters so much to you, Elias. <laughs> so did you play anything that you didn't buy? Um, <clears throat> that's, that's an awkward question, isn't it? <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of went a little hog wild. I feel like... Um, you know, every game was cool, but every game was like, was like, I mean, it just, and just to give you some context, just to give the listeners some context, like, it's like, I've lived in countries, like, we, uh, me, Elias, and Ipo all met up in, in Qatar, that's where we all, like, um, first became friends, and that had a, a burgeoning board gaming community, there were like, there were a few people out there that, that were into board games, but then I moved to Kuwait, and then I moved to Albania. And those places less, very much less so in terms of um, 
uh, a board gaming community that like played games that I would like to play. Like there were there were people in um in Kuwait that I had met who were really into like Zombicide and those like kind of Ameritrashy games. Um and yeah. then like in in Albania there's not even a board game store. It's it, there's a board game cafe worthy, but not a board game store. Um <laughs> so like it's it's very difficult to sort of continue like to be fresh in the hobby with new games and under like picking up new games when you your access to those games is very limited. So when I went into the hall at Essen on the first day, it was literally child in a toy store <laughs> at, on Christmas Eve. It was like, Ooh, that looks good. Ooh, that looks good too. Like everything was just new and shiny and cool. And just like, I wanted to get everything. Yeah. So to answer your original question, Nico, no, every game I demo, <laughs> I bought. I was the biggest sucker in that hall. <laughs> so, no, I remember. I, I totally understand. I mean, I remember the feeling. I wanted to buy everything and even more. Yeah, exactly. And yes, like, I did show some restraint at the end of uh, at the end of uh, the day two. At the end of day two, I've like got like bags that are just stretched to their breaking point full of games. And there was this there was this French there was this random French guy who um who like wanted to show me his basketball game. I can't even remember the name of the game, but <laughs> they made he made like a like a a fantasy, like fantasy creature, like it was like Griffins versus like I don't know, Stone Man or something, like a basketball game. And it actually looked good. Like you, you you play cards to sort of increase or decrease your chances of like scoring a basket. And like, yeah, like, and I was like, yeah, it looks great. But I literally cannot carry any phys more physical <laughs> objects. I am so sorry. Like if, if you had met me in at 10 a.m., you might have been able to talk me into buying your game but at like at like 5 p.m at the end of the day i am out of here i like it was just like i was like i was very proud of myself though because i was like that game does look cool but it, i didn't actually buy it so yeah um that sounds super cool I, I, I've, I've been looking it up this whole time yeah, <laughs> what was it called at least we know that and then the designers i don't know i can't find it oh. what's the name of the game uh, le basketball <laughs> no, it wasn't Le Basketball. Valley Hoopers? Valley Hoopers, that's the one. Valley Hoopers. Yeah, because she has wings. So oh, that means, yeah. 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 I, I don't remember it's the races of the of the people. It probably isn't Griffins versus Stoneman, but like I but, would probably be purchasing this. <laughs> purchase one for me. Purchase one for me. Because I felt he was, he was so enthusiastic. He was so like upbeat. I mean, like it's super hard at Essen, especially as an exhibitor, I think, to remain upbeat at like on Saturday at yeah. like 5.30 p.m. But he was like, you got to see my game. This is all about basketball. Don't you love basketball? I'm like, yeah, I love basketball. Great. I love basketball too. It was He was so <laughs> energetic and enthusiastic. And I was like, I really can't help you, buddy. You should have been like, I, of course I love basketball. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> Kawhi Leonard well, there was a little basketball joke for all you people that are... Uh, cross-pollinizing yeah, hobbies. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. I have one question for you based on yeah. your list that yeah. I would love to hear about before we probably wrap things up with a run-through of whatever you want to talk about at the end. But mm -hmm. the Battle of Versailles, that 
was is an interesting looking one. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the Battle of Versailles is um oh, just to like completely for full honesty and transparency, we got to we got to hear the how to play of of the game, but we never actually got to play it um because uh my 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 partner was had to had to leave. Um so leave the hall at that point, but like um to so so we never actually got to play the game, but it it's a wildly asymmetric um game with where you have like if if it's based on a real event. Apparently I was a sucker for like like historic games based on historical events in the nineteen seventies. Cause this is a nineteen seventy-three <laughs> like battle of of like of fashion designers, like they had an American team and a French team, and the French, the Americans had more well-known designers, so the Americans could play more cards, and the French team didn't, so they played less cards. And you had like different outfits that could that would score differently depending on whichever designer was active in presenting their work, and you could move pieces of the of the of the runway around. So like literally like you could change like the number of cards played or the number of cards drawn or the scoring or like everything seemed to be modular from like what I gathered. Now, apologies to people who actually have played the game. I'm, I might be saying certain things wrong because I never actually got to play. But the but the cool thing is, is we're, we're, we're learning the game. And there was this guy who was just standing there. And that happens at SNLI. If you're demoing a game, there are people who are just interested in watching. So there's this guy standing there and talking in Spanish to these two other people. And we're just like, okay, it's fair enough. And, and at, at some point, as the, as the explanation um, was wrapping up, like, like I just go to him. I go, oh, okay, we'll be got to hear in about two minutes. And they can sit down and they can play. And he goes... I was like, we're not interested in playing. These two are my cousins, and I'm the designer of the game. And I was like, oh, wow. what? This is amazing. So we got into like this like 10-minute discussion about like like how he designed the game. Apparently, like like all the all the outfits are actual outfits like that were designed by these designers. And they like they exhibit the attributes of the style that each designer was trying to represent. Um, he took a lot of inspiration again from Watergate and from um, Seven Wonders Duel in terms of like the mechanisms of the game. Like we talked about the development process, we talked about play testing, and what was really really cool was like um, from from my partner's perspective. After the talk, um, like she she turned to me. It was like her like like come to Jesus moment for board gaming because like she she turns to me and she goes, <laughs> "Now I understand why you love this hobby." Because it's like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's like this is a, something that's based on history, which is something she's interested in, and like it's like I like, and she was listening to all the different parts and like that come into a game design. And while I've never designed a game, obviously as a gamer, I would know these things. And like it's just to listen to <laughs> the actual designer explain the. Let me just shout out his name real quick because like, yeah, is uh, it just, Eloy or Ferran? Ferran, Ferran, that I, I'm gonna put you right so now. He's, he's uh he's done some pretty cool games actually. Yeah. Looking at that, like he's he was one of the designers of On the Origin of Species that got quite a little bit of um uh 
of interest from everyone and La Cremosa, which was uh, had a lot of buzz last year, which I, I was actually tempted to pick that one up as well. So uh, very cool. Thank you, Ferran, for uh, creating a new board gamer, I'm assuming. Yeah. So are, yeah. do you need a board game table for your new apartment? Uh, yeah, Kevin? for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, uh, it's not a board gaming table. It's like a multi-use table, but definitely there will be gaming that are that is going to be held on this table. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. The, the, the theme of this game is so interesting. I mean, uh, Kevin explained the theme, but I want to read from the description of the yeah, page really of the cool. game that that the Battle of Versailles was a fashion show held in 1973 Versailles, France that uh, had five American designers against five French designers. The American designers were Anne Klein, Halston, Oscar de la Renta, Stephen Barrows, and Bill Blass. I only, I only know Oscar de la Renta out of the five. Uh, that were considered uh, innovative and less traditional than the French designers, who were Yves Saint Laurent, Givenchy, uh, Emmanuel Ungaro, Pierre Gardin, <laughs> And Christian Dior. I mean, nothing I know is, all the Nothing French is funnier French. than hearing Ipo talk about trying to say things in French accent. It's too funny. <laughs> so the American designers ended up winning the competition. Oh. The American won that. The event was widely covered in the media and is considered a turning point in the history of fashion. It is interesting. I mean, I didn't know any of this. Me neither. I didn't even know it happened. When he t- so I don't know if you could tell by my I know I'm super good at like, you know, pretending things are natural or like whatever, you know. But Kevin did ask me to ask him about Battle of Versailles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that oh. wasn't just, you know. I, I know I know it seemed like I was like super, you know, like uh, but no. Um but the point is I thought it was a war game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How confusing is that cover that? Like French Revolution or something? <laughs> so I was like, ooh, Kevin got a war game. Let's talk about the war game. I looked it up. I was like, this ain't a war game. <laughs> and actually, just there a comment a about of, that. Uh, of Versailles like, in the French Revolution, right? Versailles, the and, palace uh, where they signed the correct, end yes. of yeah. World War One. Like the, the, the Treaty of Versailles is the what, Treaty of Versailles. That's yeah, what is, what, is what's jump started World War Two in many ways, right? So. Sure, yeah. I the inequities of the Treaty of Versailles. Um, yeah, I think there's also a Battle of Versailles in the French Revolution, but I'm not sure. Could be. Could Maybe. be. Um, and before we jump off of this, I do want to ask if you've had a chance to play Dog Lover, because that really got my attention when I saw your uh, list of purchase things. Um, no, I didn't. Um, I didn't get Dog Lover to the table yet. Um, just for context, we have uh, three dogs and two cats. So that was one reason why I got the game. And like I'd actually seen it on Board Game Arena as one of their new releases during the summer. I was like, and at this at this point, I was still on the, ooh, let's see if she'd be interested in playing any <laughs> board game. So like I was like, ooh, they have, a, they have a game called Dog Lover. And then we saw it at the convention. And I was like, you have to get Dog Lover. Then we must get Dog Lover. <laughs> So like that's how why Dog Lever made it made made it made the cut and made it to the to the list. I have no idea how to play it. It looks like some sort of tableau building game, if I'm not mistaken, set collection or tableau building. Um, and we had someone um, pet sitting. Uh, we had a couple from Australia pet sitting for us while we were at Essen. 
So we got a copy for them too, as sort of like a thank you. Um, Very cool. Yeah, but yeah, Dog Lover. I mean, it, uh, the artwork looks good, and you guys a take- little presum a little presumptuous of you to assume they enjoyed your dog's companies, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's fine. Hmm. People tend to be like that about their babies anyway <laughs> thank you for that uh before we jump off is there anything else you wanted to let us know about what happened at essen that was worth talking about um just sorry but quick... i want to say about the dog lover no 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 one cares uh, but you I don't want... have a dog so the dog la- yeah but i want to say that this is the way to sell board games now <laughs> just, I mean, just something about dogs or cats it. yeah yeah, I know a lady in Qatar now that she buys everything related to cats. She has like ten different games uh, related to cats. So yeah, that's a, a lady. Way to sell you mean Lena? <laughs> is that no, what you're Lena about? is not is not buying board games. <laughs> that's I'm, true. I'm that's the person who is buying the board games. No, she's just <laughs> making inserts. <laughs> So thank you for interrupting my question to Kevin, but I'll just pose it again. <laughs> Kevin, is there anything else you think worth mentioning that happened at Essen? Yeah, just one really quick story. And it was like, it's a follow-up to, it. it's a follow-up to, um, to like, like what I was talking before I'll be about going from being a teacher of board games to a student of board games. Cause, um, after, um, after my girlfriend left on the, on, on the second day, I got to sort of like, roam around and just take my pick of whatever I wanted to demo. And I got into a demo of uh, Darwin's Journey, I believe is the name of the game. Ooh, right? Yeah. That was the top of my list of the stuff you got that I want to try. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, I can't tell you too much about the game. Like, I mean, it, like, it was the, the thing that I wanted to talk about is the experience. So, I mean, just, just as a, a brief little, um, like, explainer, Darwin's Journey is this game where it's a worker placement game where you are, um, you are playing the role of Charles Darwin writing in his uh, research diary. And um, so, so in, in, um, in the game, you, you have these, these workers, but they can't just go anywhere. They have certain research uh, seals that they must gain in order to to go to certain spots of the board. One re- one worker can um, can just have free reign. He's like a wild worker, joker worker. But all the other workers only have access. There's one worker that can only explore. There's one worker that can only um, like move on the ship track. There's one worker that can only um, that can that can only gain seals. Right. So you, you use these workers to try to to try to move on certain spots of the board. But obviously, as you gain more seals in the game, they become smarter. And then um, you're also trying to um, and therefore have access to more parts of the board. And also um, at, the, at the beginning of the game, you get three cards that are like this worker, if they get a, a blue two two greens and two red seals they get this special ability so you're trying to unlock these special abilities in the game and there's there's so much more in the game that i i um i'm not going to be able to explain because otherwise we'd be here forever but like um the 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 game when i sat down to sort of hear the explanation the board is actually deceptively simple there's not that many for worker placement there's not as many places um, as you would think 
Um, like for for certain worker placement games, it feels like there's like you know, like if you're talking about like um, uh, Feast for Odin, Feast it's for like, Odin, there's like yeah. six, 60, 70 places you can place workers. This one, there's only like I don't know, 30, 40, but at the same time, it's like there's there's so many different elements to the game that you you're just like you're just at a loss. Like like I went into that game like like all gung ho to play, and about five minutes in the game, I felt like I was in like Charlie Brown's teacher's classroom. Just like the guy, what the guy was saying was just womp 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 womp, and I'm just like, <laughs> uh huh, yes. Yes, uh-huh, I get it. Uh-huh. Oh just like lying through my teeth. Like, yes, that makes sense. And just like completely uh, like overwhelmed with what he was. It was almost like I was like a new gamer. And someone was trying to teach me some wow. complicated, you know, game. That's amazing. Yeah. So like um, but I I enjoyed the experience a lot and yeah, I picked up a copy. So it's now I will say it isn't e- the easiest learning at cons i have a hard time with complex games at cons like i i'm a person that kind of like i notice everything around me i don't even though i hyper focus on hobbies and stuff i don't hyper focus on like sources of people talking like i hear everything around me i can do three four conversations at the same time but when i'm at a con that's much to my detriment because i can't focus on what the person's talking about So I, I, and I know you're a little bit like that, Kevin, like you can keep track of multiple conversations at the same time. Yeah. So uh, maybe, maybe that was the reason that like the heavier game sort of turns into um, the Charlie Brown teacher thing. Yeah. Uh, sorry, when you did that, it, it reminded me of Omid Jalili, the stand up comedian once yeah. did this impression of Nelson Mandela slowly turning into the teachers from Charlie Brown. And it was amazing. He goes, after 30 years of being in prison, I was highly disappointed to find my wife when they what 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 And I just thought I would share that. You have a good Nelson Mandela. It's a very niche thank you. It's a very niche impersonation, but it's important to know how to do it. But, oh, so funny. <laughs> if I have to, to ask for one more game, I know that the White Castle is now one of the uh, hottest games in uh, Board Game Geek. Yeah. How this ended up with you? Okay. This was like, I think this is my, um, I mean, if I, this is my first ever board gaming podcast appearance, I might attract some haters for saying what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. I bought it just <laughs> off of the hotness. And I fe- I kind of regret my purchase because after we it, 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 it just to give you some context, that game you it was the only one where you had to schedule a demo. Like all mm-hmm. the other games, you can just sort of walk. Like with Darwin's Journey, which is a very hot game at the at the con, like you can just walk up and be like, "Hey, I want to play," and like like in you, after five minutes, you're in, you're, you're playing. But like for for White Castle, like we got there at 10 a.m., which is when um when the when the game, you know, when when the con starts, and we were like, oh, we want to demo the game, and they're like, great, our first our first available time slot is is 4 p.m. 
And we're like, mm. oh, shit, that's crazy. So, like, we kind of had to plan, well, I had to plan my entire day around this demo. Like, I couldn't actually, I demoed um, Darwin's Journey right before that. Um, and, um, and like, the, the, I had to cut that short. I didn't want to cut that short because at, at the point where I, ha I had to leave Darwin's Journey, I had just gotten, like, got kind of grokked the game a little bit. Like, at least grokked a few of the rules. It's enough to, like, start to enjoy the experience. And when that happened, it was like, oh, it's 3.55. I got to go. And um, so I had to leave that demo and go to White Castle. White Castle is, like, this game where it's like a dice drafting and dice placement game. Um, there are certain there are certain places that and you I can, believe they still sell uh, sliders at forty five cents a pop. So yeah, deal. <laughs> still looking for Harold and Kumar too. By the way, um, <laughs> so um, that is not that's not what that that movie was about. White Castle wasn't looking for that. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. I think you watched a different movie. But anyway, go for it. <laughs> maybe um but anyways um like so it's a if you, you pick a dice you you draft a dice you place that dice um there's three different colors and like inside the castle you can there are like certain um actions that you can do only with certain colored dice the dice can go anywhere in the castle like any color can go anywhere but only certain dice can do certain actions so you have to be cognizant of where you're placing the dice for that reason. Um, they they all have like pips already printed on the board. So if your number is higher than that pip, you gain that income. And if your 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 number is lower than that pip, you lose that income. Um, which is kind of cool. That 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 part of the game was really cool. Um, the the part I really do like is there's a special action. It's also like got a little bit of a worker placement aspect to it, um, where it, there, you can place three different kinds of things, uh, three different types of figures. There are gardeners, there are um, courtiers, and there are samurai. Um, the 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 gardeners, uh, the gardeners and the samurai. What it, the actions weren't so interesting. It was standard euro stuff: pay a resource, get a thing, get an action, get a benefit of some kind. But the courtiers one was very interesting because you pay resource to go into the courtier, you pay pearl to go into the courtier to the court, and when you enter a room, you immediately take the card um, and place it on your player board, and that um, that builds a little engine that you're running on your player board. And But what that does is it changes the basic palace actions for all the players. So, like, that guy who's relying on such and such a space to run an engine that he's trying to run that's that that card is gone and a new card takes its place so that was the most interesting part of the game for me it's like i'm not i'm not trashing the game at all it's it's quite an interesting game i just don't understand why like it was being picked up so much at the at the fair because like like i got it because everyone's talking about how good it was and i sort of bought into the hype and i picked myself up a copy but like, I, I I just I, I I don't see anything special yet on it other than that one courtier ability, which is not as big a part of the the game as I previously thought. I don't know. We'll, we'll it's still yet to see. 
I think I think the way it looks and the art and the theme, like Japanese themes, tend to tend to sell very well. Yeah. I think that might be part of the reason. Mm-hmm. But in general, I, I find you know sometimes people get really excited about a euro, and then I try it, and it's like it's good. It's a euro, but it's not like you know. I feel like there's a thousand other games like it. I feel like I don't. I haven't played this, but I've had that experience in the past. It sounds like you're saying that it was good, but it just. You didn't get what the big deal about yeah. this specific one was. I mean, I, so. I feel like this will be, uh, and look, I like I, I enjoyed the demo. It was a good time. Like, I had fun with the people I was playing with. All great. But I feel like, and with, with respect to the publisher, I feel like this is a game that you can pick up for 20 euros, like, at your neighborhood store in two years' time. Like I feel like it's going to be one of the interesting. Things. There's nothing special Perhaps about I'll that. Perhaps I'll wait two see. years and pick it up for twenty euros. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're going to make a special. Maybe they'll make an all plastic version, Elias, in like <laughs> fifteen years time. Good. Then I'll get some content for the podcast. Perfect. Great. <laughs> all right. Well, now if you're done with your yammering on. <laughs> Blah, 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 blah. Thank you so much, Kevin, for the breakdown. We really appreciated that. What we're going to do, since we heard you and we commented on the stuff that you just experienced at Essen, we're now going to flip that script and you're going to listen to us talk about top five games. (laughs) This time for the Hippocratic Corner. Hippocratic Corner. Yes, I forgot about that. We have an Hippocratic Corner. Hello, everybody. The, we have a top five in this uh, Hippocratic Corner. There is a, th- a topic, which is the top five games that were never bested. I mean, till now, I guess. And how did we come up with this uh Topic. I remember we had this conversation <laughs> because, about because this episode was supposed to be dominant species versus dominant species marine and antiquity versus yes. um versus small city, but then we decided to get Kevin on, and so I told you to change the topic, and you were like, No. So then we kept the topic. <laughs> okay, so now I regret asking that question. <laughs> but still we can discuss about it and uh, before before we jump into that you have a note here that i I need to know what it means because i've been looking at it for a week and i don't understand what it means and it's killing me a word about the rules of spyfall asphalt works and long-standing beliefs first of all that is an awesome title for a novel and i think i'll work on (laughs) the novel that goes with that title but what what was that why did you write that what does that mean okay so before going to the top five, let's talk about uh, this, uh, uh, let's say, intriguing topic. So a friend of mine here, Ziff, was insisting that in the Spyfall uh, game, and I guess uh, Kevin should know also that, uh, mm-hmm. the spy loses if he's voted. There's Correct. no need for the, spa, for the spy to try and find the location. Okay. No, if that, you remember, the, the spy wins. I always thought he did quicker if he can guess the location. That's the only benefit of that. But if he's voted, we were always playing that. Okay, if you now can find the location, you still win. Yeah, yeah that's how the, I remember it being played. Exactly, and so I was playing uh, 
spyful and Ziff insists that this is the case, I'm saying no. The, the spy has always one last chance to win the game if he finds the location. I'm playing spyful for more than eight years. Uh, I, I have played more than 50 games as I checked in my uh, board game app. <laughs> so I think I know what I'm saying. And Ziff says, no, 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 I, I, I'm right. So I check the rules. And he's right. We were not playing according to, <laughs> to the rules all this time. Perhaps that's why we liked so, it more than other people, because we played a better version. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is the spiteful part of the title of the topic. Uh, the asphalt part comes from my first... Uh, this reminded me of a story, okay? And So far, uh, this is very disappointing. My, my imagination was far, far more interesting. <laughs> Made a much more interesting okay. story about what you wrote than this, but go ahead. So the idea is that we, we have certain beliefs that, uh, you know, they become solid over time and we're sure about them. But like then, asphalt. Uh, all of, all, <laughs> yes, so it's, the story is that it's my first day in my third construction project. Wow. I'm visiting a work site where they're adding a new asphalt layer on an old road and they're doing something wrong. Okay, so I go to the old former there. I say, uh, you, you know, you need to change this thing because what you're doing is wrong here. So he looks at me and says, I'm doing it, I'm doing it like this for 40 years. So I think I'm, I know what I'm doing. So with all my, of my wisdom and confidence of my 32 years at that time, I turn it at the guy and say, for 40 years, you are doing it wrong. So yes. Yeah, so certain things that you think they're right for a long time, you have long standing beliefs, and at some point they turn wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, do you have any story like that? Do I have any story? Yes, I believe for the whole last week mm -hmm. that this was going to be an interesting story. <laughs> and that uh, it was That's it. not a long-standing <laughs> belief. That, that was like a temporary thing. Kevin? I have one, a gaming-related one, where um, I can't even remember what I fucked up. But um, we're playing, I was playing Ink and Gold. Like, it's not a deep game. It's not a complicated game. Um, I was playing Ink Neither and Gold, is like with Byron, and we're 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 in Qatar at the board game store playing Ink and Gold with like a whole bunch of people, and I was teaching it, and at, at some point, Byron goes, "Everything is wrong, like you're teaching the whole game wrong," <laughs> and this is a game that we're playing my copy of the game that I had gotten in, in, in China when I was living in China like three years ago. And I must have, I, and I was running a board game club at my school. I'm a teacher. I was running a board game club at my school, teaching it the wrong way. I taught it to like dozens of friends wrong. The, I taught the entire game wrong like 40 times at least. <laughs> just like, and I remember like, just digging my heels in so, so hard against Byron. Just like, no, you listen to me. And he goes, no. I have the rule book. <laughs> and it was just like, like and I, I still remember just like the shock and disbelief. I was like, there that's 
bullshit. There is no way I'm teaching this game wrong. I've had this game for three years. It's, you're playing with my copy of the game. And he goes, no, it's wrong. <laughs> my God. Actually, I recently, first of all, shut the fuck up. Secondly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> recently, when I was narrating um, the Twilight Imperium book, you know, I go into it all confident because, you know, I've played Twilight Imperium for years. And I know more than this guy who's just running, you know, uh, the book. His first time yeah. he hears about it, he's doing a great job. But, you know, um, he goes, I go, uh, the uh, Federation of Soul. And he goes, actually, it's Soul. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's Federation <laughs> of Soul. Like, I've been, you know, I've been playing this game a long time. He goes, I have the pronunciation guide from the publisher <laughs> federation of soul <laughs> that i was like all right cool <laughs> I stand corrected. Um, but that's the closest i've ever been to being wrong about something you, post, uh, you know that's just <laughs> in your whole life whole okay life. so next episode our guest will be dima <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one i'll definitely listen to that <laughs> um, no it's um of course, I've been wrong about many, many things. Um, but uh, in my opinion, and it's going to come off a little strong, people that hold the rule book and check the rules while you took the time to teach the game are pieces of shit, okay? Because, all right, either learn the fucking rules before you come or don't. Don't sit here and I took the time to learn this game and I'm going, actually, I'm checking the book. And I said, fuck you. All right. First of all, you should have read the rules and taught the game yet because I took time out of my week to learn the game and teach it to you. We're playing it my way. All right. That's, that's how it Okay. Goes. So to our defense, because I'm that guy who takes, yeah, yeah. Who takes the rule book. Also, AKA takes, fuck you, Byron, basically uh, is what you're saying. <laughs> So to our defense, sometimes when I, I hear something in the rules and it doesn't feel correct, I'm taking the rule. I have to admit, I'm taking the rule book. When it, I mean, from a designer's perspective, if it doesn't make sense, I usually You're not take a designer. The and, <laughs> you made one game and, and, <laughs> and it wasn't that good. <laughs> not, 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 not even. You said it was good. I said it was good. Yeah, I, I like you. I love you. You see, like... I, but, but I haven't I haven't done any games. Let, let's no, no. Honest. You made one game that was was pretty good. It was okay, and then it you was made not one finished, game that was, so, that was really bad, really bad. What the Lebanese Civil War? Lebanese Civil War the Lebanese... was the worst thing no. I ever played. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah, okay. It was very early in the development phase, but anyways, okay. Let's go back to our topic about the top five games. That were never bested. I had, I, I didn't know that word to be honest. I have to, to Google it. That bested is a, is a thing that you're you're getting best better than something else. Uh, my criteria. Do you want to go with your criteria first, Elias? What was sure. your criteria um, about this top five? It wasn't too complicated. Basically, I had to, it had to be a, a pretty established game so that there was sufficient time for it to be bested. So like a game that came out and made up a new genre last year is not you know games will come out in the future that might best it and the games so they have to feel like one another so not just a similar mechanic or theme for example 
Mage Knight and Gloomhaven, they're both fantasy themed, sword and sorcery, and they're both based around hand and deck management. But neither of the, they don't feel like each other. I would never recommend someone who likes Gloomhaven to play Mage Knight or vice versa. They're completely different. And lastly, my ranking is not necessarily the ranking of my favorite games. It's the ranking of how far I think others have come to besting it. So number one, I feel like has been the farthest. We don't have anything, in my opinion, close enough to best it. Whereas five, maybe things have come closer to besting it. That's all my criteria. Yours? Uh, that's nice. I did the same thing. I felt that uh, in order to be in this top five, something it needs to be the leader or the best game of the genre. Mm-hmm. And also the ranking is uh, how long this uh, dominance in this genre uh, is okay. going on. Okay. Uh, I have two honorable mentions. Do you have any? I have two honorable mentions. My two honorable mentions uh, are uh, Puerto Rico mm-hmm. in 2002. Good game. Uh, I, I I don't think it belongs to this top five because it's not clear it's the best. Uh, actually, it is clear it's the best game for me, but I don't. I'm not sure what is its genre. Mm. I mean, okay, it's worker placement, but there are other worker placement games out there. And uh, I think the clever thing in Puerto Rico uh, is the phase selection, yes. like the roles yeah. and stuff. Action selection. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, but this is not really a category out there. So I, and, I left it out. And your other? And the second one is Dominant Species from uh, Chad Jensen, a game from 2010, which is an area majority game I feel is the best. But uh, the other games on my list are uh, uh, older than that. So okay. this is the, the reason it stay, stayed out. What about uh, my, two, my two had reasons for disqualifying. So like, like how your first one did. So like through the ages... I put it on there for two reasons. Didn't make it on my list. One, technically new story of civilization bested the original version and it changed enough that it feels like its own game, right? That's why it has its own entry on board game geek. And there's not enough similar games in that tableau building civilization thing. There's like nations and that's about it. So I don't know. I felt like the category didn't really fit. And then the other one is Antiquity. I still think it's the best city building game ever made. Um, but uh, the other the, the, the ones I was thinking of were Small City, Era, Medieval Age, Suburbia. But none of them, except maybe Small City, really feel like Antiquity, which is that other thing that I said, that criteria I had. Antiquity feels like it's somewhere between a city building and a civilization game. The others don't have that feeling. So... Um, I didn't feel like it was comparing apples to apples, so I, I left it off my list. So there you go. The, those choices are really, really interesting because my number five is Through the Ages <laughs> <laughs> from 2006. So I probably completely disagree with you. I feel that it's almost the same game with uh, uh, through the, the new Through the Ages, the new edition. And... It's the best Civ game out there. And I don't, I mean, I feel it's a category. Agreed on that. A, a big category. Agreed. And, and it has not been bested since. Okay. Yeah. I don't disagree. I mean, it wasn't my honorable mentions. That's what I'm saying. You're saying you disagree with me, but you're like, 
You put no, it one place I higher mean, with, than me. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm only disagreeing with with the reasons that you left it out. Yeah, fair. I would love to ask, uh, and I, I kind of sorry, yeah, sorry. go for it. I, w- I would love to ask both of you though, like what differences? Because I've only played the new story. Um, what differences are there between the original and the, the the new the new story? All the cards have been rebalanced. They're the the tactic cards are done completely differently. Okay. Um, and, uh, the way that military works is completely different. Okay. So, um, being able to sacrifice certain units versus using just like exploration cards or just using like, you know, and the way raids versus wars work is different as well. Okay. So to me, it's significant enough mm-hmm. and the rebalancing is significant enough that, um, maybe not a different game. He's right. But I do feel like it's not fair because I think that if I didn't put, if new story didn't come out, yeah. It might have been bested. Okay, you know that's why I think it had a refresh, so it didn't technically stand the test by, of time. By what? By what game? It, it might. I don't know. Bested. I don't know. I love that game. Ah, so. I thought you were gonna say it's in my top five. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Um, my number five. We've talked about it a bunch. I'll run through it, but it's Pax Perfuriana, and the reason is very simple. It was the first Pax game, and it's the best Pax game. And um, I've played every Pax game except for Transhumanity, so. Unless Transhumanity is better than Porphyriana, I still think it technically stood the test of time. And the reason it's lowest on my list is because Renaissance came so close to toppling it that it's like it's been the closest to having been bested of all the ones that I have, which is why it's my number five. But I adore the game. It's in my top three games ever, uh, along with Through the Ages, Ipa and Virgin Queen. Um, So Pax (laughs) Porphyriana. Is my number five. I've never been more confused about victory in my entire board gaming <laughs> life. I was like, I thought I won. No, it changed. Yeah. Oh, I'm at zero. <laughs> you did what? You did what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the thing about the thing about victory in Pax Perfiana is it, you have to create what's called like a triad or something like uh, the, the two players that are lowest yeah. in each category yeah. plus the game itself. Yeah combine to you have to beat that score so your lowest score can change on anyone's turn yeah. so your victory condition changes it was so confusing but um, i love the game i do love that game. yeah it's the wild west nature that's kind of what i like about it, is that it does feel like you know mexico in the 1800s mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um yeah there you go yeah. Ipo, you're number four Pax Porfiriana is uh, the only game that I'm visiting the Board Game Geek uh, page uh, every month or two just to see if there is a new edition. And, <laughs> and I'm waiting for it to buy it. Now I saw in the forum that they're saying they're going to have a reprint. So I'm really, really very confused because I really hate the, the art in this game. It's very ugly. Uh, as much as I like the game. So if there is a reprint but not a new edition, what should should we do in that case? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I, I I might need to buy it anyways. Anyway, uh, I was saying before that uh, I totally disagree with uh, the reasons that you left uh, uh, through the ages out of the uh, top five, and my number four is Antiquity. Antiquity, <laughs> I knew. <it. laughs> Two thousand four, from Zero. Dumen and Yoris Versinga, you know, these are the, the Dutch guys. Uh, it's, as you said, it's the best city-building game. Uh, I know, I understand what, you, what you're saying when you say that it's, it doesn't have the same feeling as the other yeah. ones. 
but I, I think that the reason it doesn't have the same feeling is because it's the best. Maybe that's why. And, and, <laughs> that's and, why and, and you why didn't put that. Four. And you didn't put that as a criteria that they have to feel the same. So uh, we have True. different lists, and I'm really glad that they both showed up on your list. I should have just not bothered putting any honorable mentions because you talked about them anyway, and I'm really happy that they were on your list. I was sad that they didn't no, make no. mine. So yeah. it is the best okay, for so me, the best splutter game and the best city building game. It's just a masterpiece, and I've played it like three times in the last month. I wow. adore that game. Um, my number four on the complete opposite spectrum of gaming is War of the Ring. And the reason that it's oh. on there, uh, it was kind of like in my head, like IP-based combat games. Mm-hmm. I thought of like Star Wars Rebellion, Dune, and even the Battle of the Five Armies, which is the same design team. Um, none of them for me so I'm only mentioning games I've played, obviously, as comparison points. I'm not going to talk about a game that I haven't played. So I've played all these games I've mentioned so far. And it's um, it's just never, n- n- nothing has come close. Like Rebellion doesn't feel as much like Star Wars as War of the Ring feels like Lord of the Rings. Um, the, the team versus individual nature of it compared to Rebellion and June and the Alliances War of the Ring is just, in my opinion, superior in the way that it does that, the way that it builds it out. I played it out as recently as I played it as recently as last year. I have all the expansions for it, and it just never isn't a beautiful, tense, amazing thing where at the end you're like shaking about if you're about to get the ring into Mount Doom, and you know, are you finally going to get corrupted because it's so well balanced? You know, uh, Star Wars Rebellion kind of felt like, well, if someone gets a little lucky, you know. They know where your base is. Now your whole plan is messed up. And I just didn't get engaged as much with it. In June, I've played it so many times, and it's just never been like an experience that I remember and love. Battle of the Five Armies, it has the same core mechanic as War of the Ring, but it's more like if you just love the card and battle system, an action allocation system. But it's missing the beauty of War of the Ring that makes it feel like Lord of the Rings, the book in board game form. So it's kind of like the equivalent for war gamers. They might understand this of like, here I stand to Virgin Queen. Like it might be the better, you know, more streamlined game, but it's the extra stuff in Virgin Queen that makes it an epic, beautiful experience. So for me, nothing so far has touched War of the Ring and it's my number four game that's never been best have you ever played it have you ever played it two player only or has it always been 2v2 i've played it two and i've played four um and i like four better because i love team games Mm -hmm. and i feel like there's not enough of them and i've played shadow and free peoples and they're both a ton of fun and i've won and lost with both so are the expansions adding to the game uh, are they worth having only if you love lord of the rings like if you're a Tolkien fan and you want to see the eagles and the ants and like you know and you know uh, Shelob no. spiders, like then yeah, it's cool because you get to see them in the game. But I wouldn't say like they change the game fundamentally in a way that you don't get an experience for. So if you play it a lot and you love Lord of the Rings, which I assume you do, if you've played it a lot, yeah, it's worth that. Okay, cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Now going to my number three. My number three is, uh, for me, the best uh, game in the abstract category. Can I Maybe guess? not very, very, <laughs> yes. You, can you guess. put it in every list. Is it Zendo? 
<laughs> yes, it's in every list. You're right. It's Zendo. It's from 2001. It's not a very well-known game. So, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people will agree with us that it's dominating the category. But for me, it, it's like nothing else. So it should be there. It, it is a game that's standing there for more than 20 years. And I cannot think of a game that can be, it's better than this one in this category. I agree completely. Um, I just, I didn't know what to compare it to. Like, there's nothing to compare it to. So I just didn't know what. Yeah, I, what made, it, I made this up, yeah. yeah, like just abstract. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I love that game. Uh, my number three is the best uh, text-based case-solving game ever, which is uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. It's the oldest and the best. Oh. I've played Mythos Tales, Watson and Holmes, the Portal version of Detective, and even one of my favorites, Detective City of Angels, which has come the closest to it. Just nothing touches the sheer theme and writing and scope of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. And um, I think it's the best game in that category, and I don't think anything has, has beaten it. Uh, I mean, I cannot agree more. I so... assume it's your it's your number one or two. Your number one's chess or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. My number one should be breeds, but I have promised myself not to put uh, breeds again in the top five list. Well, let's find uh, out if I guessed I correctly. Put... Well, what's your number as two? I don't cons- consider it a, a hobby game. So my Fair number enough. two. Yeah. Is uh, 1830, Rayleigh wow. and Robert Barons. From it's a game from 1986. Wow! I played it like two weeks ago, and I was thinking, okay, this is the first and still the best, arguably, uh, 18xx game. Or even if you th- you like more, maybe another 18xx, you 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 will still. Uh, agree and admit that it's uh, one of the top games and all of the actually it created the category of 18xx oh really i thought 1829 was the first one uh i think he put just short circuited i I, I don't know i mean his entire live view world view has been changed yeah i have heard the story of francis tresham making this game and he was uh, describing the way that uh, he designed it and he thought about it. Uh, so I believe that this was the first one. Uh, anyway, so I played... No, so 1829 came out 12 years before 1830. Uh, is it from Francis Tresham? Yeah, yeah, it was Tresham. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I have not played 1829. So I'm not sure if 1830 adds a lot to... Uh, to the 18xx genre, but I have played 1830 and I can say that uh, it still holds as an amazing game. It's If you if you want to play an 18xx, you can easily pick 1830 because it's one of the best there. And it also created uh, another amazing game that I was considering about this top five, which is The Edge of Steam, which I believe is like a child of 18xx uh, category. Are you sure uh, a game? How many games are in your t- in your number two? 
sure. No, no, 1829. Age of Steam. Age of Steam. I said that it's it created a, a, an amazing game came from this uh, you know sperm of 18xx. Oh Jesus. So so 1830 is my number 2. I admire you for having the balls to tell 18xxers that, but like there're just too many games to have been played for anyone to definitively say that unless all you play is 18xx. But I admire you having played like four or five 18xx's to be like <laughs> I know that 1830 has never been bested. So, well done. I hope you don't get uh, your 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 windows don't get like TP'd or stoned by any local 18xxers to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if anybody disagrees, he can come to our board game geek guild. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, my number two is Mage Knight. Um, I feel like there's been a lot of attempts at remo- at at trying to make a Mage Knight like game. The ones that I've played are Star Trek Frontiers, Mistfall, and Renegade. And just none of them. None of them have the same feel. Like, Renegade has this thing where it feels the same as Mage Knight, where you look at your hand and you're like, what's the best puzzle? But the overall scope of Mage Knight, the different ways you can upgrade your character, the different uh, paths you can go down, how you can focus more on mana, the, the way the different characters affect all that, I still think it's just like there's nothing that i've that's come out that i've played that i can be like this is as good as mage knight and at the end of the day when i look online people seem to agree with me is people ask for recommendations for something if you love mage knight what else is there and nothing really is like definitively accepted as a game that's at the level of mage knight and even star trek frontiers which is a straight like reskinning of mage knight yeah just doesn't live up to it and uh Mage Knight has that special sauce or whatever um i don't think not the same as ipo's um francis tresham sperm not that sauce (laughs) 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 from vladach bottle that's why my number two is mage knight (laughs) kevin is dying (laughs) this is this is a children's podcast and i don't appreciate your uh jokes (laughs) <laughs> uh, but anyway, I wasn't uh, ready for that. Sorry, you, I was not ready is, for that. It, it, <laughs> what would you say is the Zara of the, of Mage Knight? The Role Zara? Playing? Oh, the genre. Zara. Yeah. What? What? What's the category? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's not definitely not role playing. Probably hand deck building management. Um, but it's more than that. That's what I keep trying to get. So it's like. You're developing yeah, your yeah. character and your deck separate. I, That's what's so interesting. I remember I've only played Mage Knight once um, at Ricardo's, and I remember like I, I he he crushed me in the game because it's Ricardo's favorite game of all time. But um, yeah. but I remember the feeling on the last round where I needed like like I just wanted to like I knew I was gonna lose, but I just wanted to have like a really epic last round and i and i i apologies i don't know the game well enough to know exactly what i did i remember i had to like go to this square that was like you know four squares away and then a hex sorry it was four hexes away and then deal with this like monster token that was on there and then get to this point i can't remember exactly what i did but i remember 
that turn took like 10 minutes to like, <laughs> what, if I, what if I do it this way? Oh, I'll still one text short. It what if I do it that way? So many possible, exactly. Yeah. And, and then when like I finally- The order in which you do things, yeah, exactly. It, sorry, oh, well, I was gonna say, finally when I got it, like, and Ricardo was like, yep, that's a legal play. I was like, I had the most epic, like, woo, like streamers coming from the ceiling kind of moment. Like I've ever, like it was, it was an amazing, I was just like, yes, I did something in the game and it, it, it rewards you. It's like, it's one of those games that does like really reward you for like a strong turn. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And there's so much variety and variability in what you can do in your turn. And it's just a, to me, a masterpiece. And uh, the others have tried, but not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Epo. My, my memory of this game is that, uh, uh, both Ricardo and Elias love the game, and I remember both of them. If, if you were at their place, okay, and you say, okay, let's play something. They were looking at Maid's Night, then, then they were looking at you, then they were looking at the Maid's Night box again, and they were moving to the next game. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, we were, so we were silently evaluating if you're up to it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You, it's not a game that you just pick the box out of the shelf and play. That, that's my understanding. Very true. Uh, but every time you want to. So you grab it, you're like, can we? No, we can't. Put it back <laughs> in the shelf and grab something else. <laughs> that's a great exactly. description. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, okay, so my number one, uh, no drum rolls because, of course, Elias guessed it. It's Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Dima, uh, who introduced me to that uh, amazing game uh, made in 1982, guys. This is like... That's, uh, insane. Uh, That's we, insane to me. I mean, I was so excited to play the, the detective, the modern... Uh, uh, I don't remember the full title. The, por the Portal one. M yeah. Modern Crime Portal. Yes. We played it, we played yeah. it at Essen, actually, in 2018. Exactly, in 2018. So that was a good game. Uh, we played other games. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I still believe that this is uh, unbeatable. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if there is a company that can spend the energy and time and resources to make a better game than this one. I, I, I feel that the era, uh, the 80s was... The, the time to, to that can produce such a such an achievement of a game because of like choose your own adventure mm. books and stuff right yeah yeah under yeah. the dragons in, as well yeah. people were investing in that stuff yeah yeah well so that's I my number one great choice great choice. um like right. what makes it is it is it just the writing because i've heard the writing i have a copy i have a copy of jack the ripper um um, but mm -hmm. I, I've never actually opened it. It's still in shrink. Um, and like, I've, I've just never found an opportunity to get it to the table, but I've always wondered like, what makes that game special? Because there's been so many people who have tried to make their version, quote unquote, of Sherlock Holmes. And it just seems to stand the test of time. It's still being widely sold, still being widely I, played. I can and actually answer that. Yeah. It, it feels like, it exists beyond your game. So when you're going around exploring, you feel like there is a world that exists where 
there are many people in there that have nothing to do with your case. Mm -hmm. They're just going about their day. And yeah. they've, they've populated the world so much that it doesn't feel like everything you do is like the whole world revolves around this case. Okay. And trying to yeah. find it, like you, you catch onto a string of thought yeah. and then you pull on that string. It's brilliant. So, it's a brilliant. So thing. it's like, especially when you get to the other end and it's empty. Oh, it's okay. so good. So it's like a murder mystery yeah. in Springfield, like Springfield USA from the Simpsons. I don't know. I don't watch the Simpsons. Cause, oh, cause <laughs> it's like an ensemble cast with like hundreds of characters and yeah. Gotcha. Anyways. Gotcha. Yeah. Thanks for that. Anyway, as if people don't like me enough for, for not liking the Simpsons, my number one, let me tell you something. I'm ready to fight. Okay. Just so you know, before you come at me, I'll give you my address if you want, but I am six foot three. Okay. <laughs> I am a large man. <laughs> I'm uh, of quite a significant build and I will yeah. Um, just, yeah. All right. All right. So just take a breath. Got it. Got it. Got it. It's my got opinion. It. Clear, everyone, not you, not you, Kevin. Everyone, calm down. Okay, okay? <laughs> calm down. My number one game that has. Oh no, has, that's bullshit. <laughs> has not been has not been bested. Is the best four X epic space game ever made, Twilight Imperium. Okay. Oh, okay. And let me tell you something. Fight. You eclipse people. Okay. You're wrong. For just okay one two uh i've played the clubs i play forbidden stars i play star trek ascendancy i play i play all of them because i want to find one that is as good as twilight imperium because you all say twilight imperium takes 12 hours and at least my edition which is third edition and that's too much and i don't know what but but the reason the reason that none of these can touch it is that so eclipse at least the last edition took about six hours or so to play and it felt okay. like the world's longest euro game and okay. i just like by the end of it i was like well if i could just add another six hours and play twilight imperium i'd rather play twilight imperium Got it. the races aren't as fleshed out the setting isn't as fleshed out the history yeah, isn't sure. as fleshed out the, yeah. the 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 interesting points and the color of the of the world and the universe around you isn't as fleshed out the idea of a dying space empire is every isaac asimov fanboy foundation fanboy thing come to life right but instead of playing as some you know planet of nerds trying to <laughs> preserve <laughs> preserve the history for the next great empire you Fuck get to you, be the cool, <laughs> the cool <laughs> empires struggling to take on the broken planet of megatol rex sitting at the center of the galaxy it is romantic it is fleshed out it is beautiful and granted it doesn't have the best gameplay <laughs> but <laughs> most importantly I am a member and part of its official lore <laughs> as the voice of Tarak. <laughs> and the third book, the Jolly Imperium series. Um, and I think that just makes it unbeatable. So the number one for me game that's spawned essentially the epic SpaceX genre and has never been beaten is Twilight Imperium. Got it. Okay, um, wait, wait now. <laughs> I've only played Twilight Imperium twice, and I feel like them's fighting words, but I'm going to say them anyways. But like, <laughs> but like, I never got other than by time, and yes, by certain mechanisms in the game, I never got that epic feel 
that you're describing. I feel like I feel like and Eclipse was like, you know, it was it was also like I, I was like, eh, it was it was good. But like it's the same kind of thing. I don't think I haven't found that epic 4X space game that really appeals to me. I don't know. Maybe if I read the books, I'll uh, I will find no, a bit of Kevin, that, but I think it'll be okay. different because you've actually read the books and the perspective is different. No, it's okay to be wrong. That's completely fine. Just, <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> Look, if you didn't find Twilight Imperium epic, no space game is going to be epic for you. That's what I'm going to say. Um, and it's okay. okay not to find epic. I, I A lot of time, my first play of it, it felt bogged down. Right? I felt like yes, everything is so yes. slow moving and stuff, but... Yeah over time you start to understand the concept of grand strategy and the fact that a delayed um, reward can sometimes be worth more than instant gratification. Like you're a child. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm the yeah, guy who likes say, plastic you... castles of Burgundy. <laughs> exactly. so, yeah. Don't you feel that Sorry, the fourth edition ahead. is better than, better than the third one? It is. Uh, it is. And it's not look so clearly gameplay. It's better. But um, in terms of like, I know this is a little like it's dated on my age and stuff. I think the art in the first edition really like lends itself a lot to what I imagine like my perfect space opera to be. I find the fourth edition art a little cartoony, a little too fantasy flight for me. Right. But um, yes, Mm -hmm. the gameplay is better and it's faster and they've, they've streamlined a lot of things. That's probably a great thing without losing that epic feeling. So I agree. If you're going to buy a copy, buy, buy that one. But I have my third edition and I don't feel a need to change it to the, to the fourth edition. I have all the expansions for third and I'm quite happy really? with it. I would buy fourth edition and keep both, honestly. Like that's how I feel about it. I, I would make a little shrine in my house <laughs> where I have all okay. four editions, all the expansions so and the new buy- shards of the throne RPG book. <laughs> So that's exactly I, my argument that the fourth the fourth edition is really better and it's really different than the third edition. Mm-hmm. So you said before that you didn't put uh, through the ages okay. because you no no I knew you were going to do that. Is, is, okay, is different. There's like a, it's, no. a, a tiny no. difference between I, these two said, games. There's no I way said, anybody can keep both new story of civilization and uh, and through the ages. Epo, but in I, this case, I, I said really. I said through the ages, I don't think that without that upgrade, it would still be on everybody's shelves being played. I do believe that without Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, everyone would still be playing TI3. That's what I believe. I think that through the ages, it's age caught up to it, and it needed a refresh. I don't think the same so it's about the same TI. argument that I yeah, swapped out. That I, I swapped out through the ages. Yeah. I got rid of Through the Ages, and I replaced it with a new story of civilization. I just told you that I wouldn't get rid of TI3 even if I bought TI4. So maybe that helps you out. Yeah, yeah, that helps a lot, yeah. uh... Okay, that clarifies. (laughs) Could I just jump in for one small second and say my number one? Just like if I were to do this list, just one game. Um, And your your number two. it's, um, It's Race for the Galaxy. Um, like the Ugh. game that we talked about at the very beginning of the show. Like, I mean, I like Roll for the Galaxy. I like, you know, uh, was it New Frontiers, the, the, the board game version of it? But like, there's no game 
that like simulates even abstractly building up a space empire in 15 minutes than race. I'm someone who has a very short attention span, so that's why TI3 or TI4 will probably never fully appeal to me because I, after 15 minutes, I want to chase butterflies. But mm-hmm. I, I like a game like Race for the Galaxy. It just it gives me that feel of building up some sort of a star <laughs> empire. Hey. <laughs> it gives me the, the feeling of, of building up a star empire in about 15, 20 minutes. I play it, I knock out a, a game, and then I'm done. And if I play it check online, out, it's like five. Check out a game called Last Light. It's supposed okay. to give that 4X feeling in about an hour, and apparently it's really good. I haven't tried okay. it yet. I don't think it'll touch Twilight Imperium. Obviously, it's a different thing. But since yeah. that's what you're looking for, building up and stuff, check out Last Light. Maybe that might be something you're interested in. I do prefer roll to race, just between me and you. Um, yeah. But race is fine. It's an okay game. Um, Ipo? Uh, for, 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 for me, I... I mean, I cannot argue against the things that uh, Kevin said. I believe there are many, many people out there that uh, agree with Kevin. And yes, in, yes, and in this category, yeah, I mean, I cannot uh, think like easily something like that. Roll for the Galaxy. I, I agree with you, Elias, that I like it more, but mm-hmm. it's more. I mean, it's more random let's say and it's more light than race for the galaxy race for the galaxy is more strategic i guess and more uh uh heavy well actually i would actually say i don't know about heavier light i think they're about the same in terms of weight but my problem with roll is that it does in 45 minutes or 60 minutes what race does in 20 minutes it gives me that same feel of building up a space empire of doing all the same thing but it's a bit more fiddly and it takes a bit more time. I like Roll. Roll is a great game. It's 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 high on my list of game, of like sci-fi games that I want to play. But Race beats it just on the time factor and the fact that you can just knock it out between two people. Play the play the two player player variant, and you can knock out a game in literally fifteen minutes if you guys both know the rules in the iconography. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Very legit. Uh, uh, yeah, choice. Okay, so, uh, so I guess uh, this wraps up. Uh, to our listeners, don't forget to let us know what your top five games are uh, that were never bested uh, at our Board Game Geek Guild. And you can find that link, of course, to our episode description. I guess people can also write their uh, beliefs and uh, or uh, long-standing beliefs and... Uh, things that uh, maybe made them change their minds in our board game geek or uh, in our Instagram account. Oh, whoa, this was removed, right? Why? Can they write in the, our Instagram account, our listeners? Yes, I mean, yes can, that's right? fine. I, I didn't remove that. And, and you know, the point is, I also want to point <laughs> out that you also let us know if we were wrong about something. So if something has been beaten that you think so, let us know. And we didn't talk about it, that we've played it. We'd love to try it and see if you're right. And we, uh, there's nothing better than a new king on the hill, right? Um, king is dead. Long live the king. And that brings us to the end of this tabletop session. Thank you so much oh, for listening. So, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Speaking, speaking about being wrong, I, I was going to say, I just thought that there's no 
Battle of uh, Versailles in the French Revolution. There's the Battle of Bastille, right? Yeah, yeah the okay. storming of the Bastille. Okay, thanks. All right, yes, so thank so you wrong. so much for listening. <laughs> and a huge thank you to Kevin for coming on and being our Essen on the ground correspondent. We love you, Kevin. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Tabletop Sessions. Join the conversation. Share a fun story of board game shenaniganism. And let us know what your top five was this month over at our Board Game Geek Guild. You can find the link to all of these in the episode description. Also check out our YouTube channel, where we've just got a couple of comments correcting me on uh, several mistakes I made in Neanderthal. But that's fine. That's what what the point of it was. So you can check it out there. The podcasts are on there. Some gameplays are on there. Good stuff. We'll be back in a month. And until then, to quote one of my favorite writers, God damn it, you've got to be kind. Say bye, Kevin and Ipo. Bye. Bye, guys. Just feel the cardboard. Session. Just feel the cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that if you're playing Castles of Burgundy, though. Know? At, at some point, I will come up with a good quote. <laughs> <laughs>